Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Black woman. Beautiful. Powerful. Resilient female of African descent with skin kissed by the sun. Conversation. A talk, especially an informal one, between two or more people in which news and ideas are exchanged. We love being black women. Black women are ambitious. Black women are confident. Black women are diligent. We are tenacious. We walk out of our houses put together. We are many shades and personalities of fabulous. But we as black women don't talk about our dilemmas, current events, and what's going on every day that affects us. So... We created this podcast as a way to laugh together, cry together, and have an open conversation about life as black women. Oh, that's deep. Black Women Conversations. Hey, Nicole. Hey, Janine. How's your week been? Oh, it's been busy. So, you know, I've had like 15 conferences this weekend. So I don't know why everybody chooses the first weekend of November. Well, actually, it's not their fault. I'm supposed to be in Napa. Actually, last weekend (laughs) would have been the weekend to go to Napa Valley for the Central Association of OBGYNs conference. But the pandemic wrecked that. And so they moved that conference to uh, this weekend. And usually I have the American Medical Association conference this weekend, which has basically been pushed through two weekends. So yeah, it's just been really busy. It's been really busy. And don't forget you you? you had Xavier homecoming too. I did have Xavier homecoming, which, um, Shout out to all the Xavierites, but um, <laughs> the way this virtual homecoming was set up, somewhat of a little bitty mini hot mess. Just saying. You just call them like you see them. You should hey, be straight to I call them. it how it is. I call it how it is. And this was this thing was pulled together at the very last minute. It was great seeing some of my classmates virtually. Um, it's very interesting um, seeing people virtually only because we have a great time on the yard every year. But I don't know about you, Janine, but I feel like I am virtually exhausted. I'm so tired of being on on camera. I agree 100 percent, like to the point where now I'm like, if it's not mandatory for me to turn on my camera, you're just not going to see me because I mean, really, it's a phone call at this point. Right. Like these are all the meetings that should have been phone calls. We're now having them live and we hate it. Like, can we just can outside open? Outside is right. going to open, though, Nicole. Aren't you Aren't you really excited? Because, you know, people think, okay, Biden won. Boom. Outside is open, right? How is <laughs> that going to happen like that? This man is going to have to come in here and wreck our worlds first. Why? Because we're not, we're not doing right, right? Mm-hmm. People don't want to wear masks. They don't want to stay inside. We want to be out here sipping because we're tired of being in the house and I get it. But when you look at these numbers, I guess I'm constantly reminded of the numbers because I'm constantly taking care of people that come in and say, oh my God, I got COVID from my auntie's birthday party and I had no idea that people were infected there. And we're like, didn't we tell you to stay in your hotel at home? 
Right. Yeah, that's my daily life. And so because of that, he's going to have to basically shut the city down. One, I don't know what Trump's going to do now, right? He's probably going to be like, screw all y'all. I hope all y'all get COVID. And I'm not going to put any regulations in place. I'm not going to tell anybody to do anything differently. And I'm going to ride this wave out until January to make sure that, you know, Amy and my other home people that I put on the Supreme Court can probably try to bail me out. But it's not going to work because Biden has way too many electoral college votes. He's exactly. probably going to be more more interested in that than trying to help people during the pandemic. Then Biden's going to get in office and have to shut the whole country down first. For us to um, get back on track, which is really going to suck because the whole world will be open and we're going to be shut down. That just sucks. I don't I don't know about that because cases are starting to rise. Over. They're trying to smell themselves, too. The cases are rising well, other, way, other places, too. Nicole, Friday, I believe it was. We had one hundred and twenty five thousand new cases. Right. That's that's more cases. And I think that I mentioned this on the episode before. That's more cases than all of China where the disease originated in one day no, I get it. in one day we have that many cases it's ridiculous like even if their you know their cases are, are rising their their numbers are nowhere close to the numbers in the united states and of course we love to be reckless but here's the thing the reason why i said outside will open is because now i actually have some faith and hope that outside will actually open because well that's true i wasn't taking a trump administration vaccine it was not going to happen under any circumstance. I it just I would be quarantined for four, for four Wait. years before I took a Trump administration vaccine. Right. But I will take a Biden Harris administration vaccine. I'm not taking anything out of the Trump administration. I don't even want your stupid stimulus check. Like, you know, it's nothing people going to be working. It's the same people. They're private companies that work on these vaccines. Nicole, I do not trust. <laughs> Let me tell you something. The the his ability to tell lies as if it's the truth is astounding astounding so here's my thing i don't care i understand that these private these private uh pharmaceutical companies are actually the ones that are responsible for it but my issue with this is is that i don't know that the information that i'm being given is truthful information in the trump administration right so in the biden administration i feel more comfortable that the the information is going to be factual and based in some sort of science rather than the whim of the president's Twitter thumbs. You know what? I agree with that because he would probably push an early release of a vaccine. Absolutely. Before it was ready. Absolutely. Yeah, I understand that. I get you. Okay. how do we I feel like we should have like a drum roll for this. Right. So ask me what's on my timeline, Nicole. What is on your timeline? Because you know I'm excited for you to share. <laughs> okay, so we had our first big win of the year because this year has oh sucked royally, right? But we have had our first big win of the year. So I must say this. We all prayed, you know, 2020 vision. We wanted clarity in 2020. Everybody was like, you know, we're going to go into 2020 and we're going to get clarity. Well, let's let's guess. Let's say this, right? We did get clarity. We got a lot of clarity in 2020, right? It was not the clarity that we expected, nor probably the clarity that we wanted, but we sure got a lot of it, right? But we've had a very low year. This week alone has made this year worth every piece of suffering that we have had. I have not had much sleep. I mean, last night was probably the first night that I actually slept 
and was not like waking up looking at MSNBC that was constantly on my television waiting for some sort of result. Last night, I closed my eyes, I slept, and I was thankful and felt at ease and at peace that this tyranny that we've been dealing with for the last four years is finally over. God, you about to make me holler in here. <laughs> Let me tell you. So we have, if you have been living under a rock, which you must be living literally under a rock, we, and I don't blame you because this administration that we're in right now makes you want to hunker down, but we have elected Joe Biden as our 46th president of the United States and Kamala Harris as vice president of the United States. Now, Nicole, I'm going to interrupt my what's on your time, my timeline <sighs> so that you can tell the people how you feel about your soror Let me being the vice president elect of the United States of America. You. <laughs> Let me tell you how the sorors came out. With picking green, we are posting pearls all week. Yes, we wanted 2020 vision, honey. We got 20 pearls instead. Yes. I love it. <laughs> we have stilettos in the White House now. We have stilettos in leadership now for the first time ever. So, yes, I am ec ecstatic. I'm beyond ecstatic. Why? Because we are going to have someone of the Divine Nine in the White House. And not just the Divine Nine. Hey, and I love the Divine Nine love, but we are going to have a woman of Alpha, Kappa Alpha, sorority incorporated in the White House. And you know, I'm, I'm loving it. But you know what I love even more, Janine, that Keisha Lance Bottoms, also a fellow soror of Delta Sigma Theta, and Stacey Abrams came through and really supported and backed her up. Turning Georgia blue. blue. Yes, Nicole. Yes. Let me tell you something. I <laughs> let me tell you something. Stacey Abrams deserves whatever presidential medal of honor that there can be because she registered 800,000 people to vote. Stacey Abrams needs to be on the cabinet. I posted that on Facebook. I'm telling you, she needs to have some type of secretary of something. Something. Just saying. Just saying. Okay, so Kamala Harris, Nicole Soror, is the vice president-elect of the United States. And as such, she's making history as the first woman to become vice president of the United States, the first woman of color to become the vice president of the United States, and the first historically black college or university graduate we're super, super excited for Kamala. But while she shattered the biggest glass ceiling that I can imagine, she's not the only one that's making history. So I did some research and I was like, I'm Googling like, you know, 2020 election first. And it's a laundry list. So I'm not even going to go through all of them, but I'm going to give you some firsts in the 2020 election, which some of these are very surprising to me, seeing as though we've, you know, the country's only been here for hundreds of years. Like, really? But I digress. So here's some first, right? So um, Yvette Harrell and Teresa Leger 
and Deborah Holland, all won in New Mexico, making New Mexico the first state to elect an all woman of color Congress. Cori Bush became Missouri's first black Congresswoman. Um, Kim Jackson has become the first openly LGBTQ state senator in Georgia, according to The Advocate. Mondaire Jones and Richie Torres both won in New York, making them the first openly gay black men elected to Congress. Tory Harris and Jabari Bridgeport became the first openly gay black man elected to the state Senate in New York. And according to NBC News, transgender representation nearly doubled in state legislature. So I'm going to give you some information about this. Six states gave eight transgender or non-binary or non or gender non-conforming candidates victories. Um, among those are from Biden's home state of Delaware, Sarah McBride, who made history as the first transgender person elected to state Senate. She will be the country's highest ranking transgender official. New Hampshire's incumbent state legislator was reelected by just 34 votes, Nicole, after coming out as um, gender nonconforming in their first term. So Joshua Query uh, had a first term in New Hampshire, and during his term, he came out as gender nonconforming, and they reelected him, and he won by literally a very slim margin of just 34 votes. In Vermont, Taylor Smalls became the first state legislator to identify as transgender. In Kansas, Stephanie Byers became the first transgender woman of color to be elected to any state legislator in the United States. And this is one that um, we were actually watching that Lindsay Canale, who was on our episode about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she pointed out to us that Mari Turner in Oklahoma was up for a race, right? So Mari actually won um, a House seat, making her the first and only Muslim lawmaker in Oklahoma and also the first non-binary state legislator in the U.S. So let me tell you something. The transgender, non-binary, gender non-conforming community had a huge win this election season. And I think that the timing is perfect because this uh, coming week, going through the 20th, is Transgender Awareness Week. We have a, a guest that we brought on. Yes. Yes, we do. So to help us celebrate Transgender Awareness Week, we have a very special guest, Miss Morgan Sherm. Morgan discovered her passion for radio as a teenager and worked her way up from board operator to executive producer of major market morning shows in Chicago and Washington, D.C. Because she is an absolute boss, she is commonly identified as the best content producer in the country and is now a coach and industry consultant. In addition to all she does with both radio and most recently television production, she is also a passionate advocate for black and brown transgender, queer and disabled people fighting to survive. She does this through her work with Brave Space Alliance, a nonprofit based in her hometown of Chicago, and by living her truth as an amazing transgender woman. Morgan, welcome to the podcast. 
Hello. Hello. <laughs> hey, Morgan. So I'm going to tell um, everyone how Morgan and I met. So Morgan and I used to work together at a radio station. She was um, the producer of the morning show at the station, and I did the marketing for the station. I'm super excited to reconnect with you, Morgan. Thank you, Channing. So you know that we brought you on so that we don't sound super ignorant, right? Like we think, you know, obviously we like to be um, knowledgeable and we like to be allies of the LGBT community, but oftentimes because it's um, it's such a progressive uh, thing that oftentimes we feel like we're left behind because we don't know and there's another term where we're like, oh my God. And we try to be, you know, we pride ourselves in not being offensive, but sometimes, you know, not knowing we are unintentionally offensive. So we brought you on so that you can give us a little bit of information on how we can be better allies to the LGBTQ community, specifically the transgender community, and how we can help other people be not only tolerant, but knowledgeable and hopefully allies as well. I definitely think that that's admirable. And I think that that's something that everybody should strive towards. Um, I don't think that it... um, I think that, you know, being ignorant at times is something that just will happen. Um, it's just a common practice, you know. Everybody does not know everything. I think being comfortable with the fact that you don't understand everything or that you will never understand everything um, is an important piece to um, hold on to. As long as your heart and your intention are in the right place, most times, though, that does, um, it makes a huge difference. So I'm really um, glad about what you all are doing here um, and even kudos and the things that you need to know. Um, some of the wonderful things that you mentioned that have been happening um, with transgender, gender nonconforming and non-binary persons. Okay. Can you help for our listeners, help them understand the actual definition of what's transgender, what's non-binary and what is gender nonconforming? Okay, so um, a person who identifies as transgender um, is somebody whom um, they recognize and they take action to um, shift the gender that they were born as. For example, I would identify as a male at birth. Um, Some people identify as a female at birth. And they begin a practice of socially and sometimes medically Um, transitioning into um, a woman or a man. Um, A gender non-conforming individual is somebody who does not subscribe to the gender binary. Um, A non-binary individual will be somebody who does not identify as neither man nor woman. Um, The slight difference might be that a gender non-conforming person might say they identify as both man and woman. So, yeah, there could be like slight intricacies that are different. And I'm glad that you said that because I was about to ask, so how is it different? But that makes sense now that you explained it. I don't know how comfortable you feel, Morgan. And if you're not, you tell me. How comfortable do you feel like sharing your story? Like what made you I'm totally to- comfortable. Okay, great. <laughs> what, what made you to uh, finally uh, live in your truth? Um. Well, it was something that I've been struggling with since my early teenage years. Um, I did grow up um, in the, on the south side of Chicago in a very um, religious home um, where I did not see individuals who reflected um, this identity that I started to begin to think 
I recognized in myself. Um, I want to say probably about three years or so before I um, decided to take the leap into living openly and truly. Um, I started gender identity counseling because my issues have started to seep into other areas of my life. Um, you know, that being um, alcoholism, but even like opioid abuse, you know, just trying to deal with this very frustrating and um, unique experience that I was having as I was evolving. When I moved from Chicago um, to take a job opportunity in a different place, one thing that had ended up happening was I had tried to like leave. I thought that I could leave my transness behind. I thought that I could like, you know, go back to navigating the world as this cis-assumed black man. And uh, while at work, I slowly like started to catch myself, you know, not really settling into myself. And um, I'm gonna be honest, Janine, not even just as an ally, but just as an individual. You know, Janine has very deep eyes and she can like see through you. And it like checks you at a point because you're like, oh shit, maybe I need to address something. And Janine was staring at me because I was wearing this very long parka one day. It was a parka that ran all the way to the bottom of my toes. And it was a woman's parka. Um, other people just thought it was interesting, but Janine was like, when she stared at me, I felt like, okay, this is somebody who sees past all of this. And um, in just a blur, I decided to share some of my story with her. And um, she became a, a mentor of such, um, or even just a friend, somebody who could listen. Somebody who might not have understood everything, but somebody who accepted me. And I needed that in that moment. Um, as it helped me begin the processes of navigating um, professionally, which was a fear of mine. Um, and I think that's a fear for a lot of people, a navigation prospect um, professionally, social, socially, personally, uh, because there's a great chance that you will lose some people or that some people are totally not willing to understand. So um, because of Janine, who essentially took me to get color matched for the first time, I'd never been color matched before with makeup until Janine made me go get color matched. Um, and that was, yeah, the, the moment where it really like started to settle in for me. So I just want to... Um interject a portion of this story, right? Um, I appreciate you giving me the credit. I don't deserve it, right? Like um, you came to me as a human being and you came to me as a friend and I was like, I have no reason to not trust you as the person that you are, right? Um, but I don't know that if you know this or not, but when you decided professionally to to inform the higher ups at the place that we worked because you had told me before. And um, when you were having a conversation with them, you mentioned that you had told me I almost got fired because I didn't say anything. Wow. I and again, I would have done the exact same thing if we had if, if this had happened all over again. I would not change anything that I did because I felt like and this is what I said to them when they brought it up to me. They felt like I should have said something as a manager that I should have made them aware. Right. Um, like the morals and values that I stood by were I felt like and this is how I explained it to them. It's no different than if one of my other girlfriends came to me and said, I'm pregnant. It's none of my business to share that information with anyone else. 
not my higher ups, not my coworkers, not anyone. That's their story to tell. And I felt like that was your story to tell. I would not have changed anything that I did. And if it were to happen all over again, I would do the exact same thing. I think that's a really important part that you mentioned. Um, Laverne Cox and Sam Feeder actually put a documentary out on Netflix titled Disclosure. Um, And it deals with that exact issue where um, a lot of people don't understand the nuance or just the importance of um, somebody being able to tell their own story and not having it told for them. Um, Historically, there have been people who have transitioned in stealth and they don't they don't want to tell their employers and stuff because they do fear they have fear punishment and this is like starting from probably the 70s or earlier if you wanted to point out like specific cases of this um i definitely appreciate you and i'm grateful that you did not share my story um if that is my story to share and i definitely think that that pregnancy um analogy is super important. Um, right now, I do a lot of uh, I do a lot of like coaching and stuff with my best friend, whom also is trans, and we like talk to companies and stuff about being inclusive um, across gender different expressions. And one thing that has been constantly mentioned by us is the care and nuance that people treat pregnancy with is the same thing that one should try to should strive to treat transitions with um that being you know people sharing at their own speed and also recognizing that um people's health care should be facilitated in a way where their transition could be handled smoothly um and painlessly because that can cause a whole nother subset of issues for so many people so um yeah, just thank you for that. Um, that makes that brings me so much peace. Um, something that you may not have known, Janine, um, as my name has been legally changed. Um, yeah, Janine I'm- is my middle name because of you. Oh, oh wow. I didn't know that. I did not know at all. I'm so honored. Thank you. I mean, I don't even know what to say. I don't really feel like I deserve this, but I can't express to you how honored I am. That really means a lot. I do remember when Morgan began this transition. And I mean, I don't want to make you relive this, but at the time, it seemed like everyone had something to say. Everyone wanted to look and see and everyone had their own opinion. And I just felt like no one really was looking at Morgan. No one was really asking what Morgan wanted or talking to Morgan or seeing what was best for Morgan. And it just seemed like so much noise to me at the time. And I just wanted to help quiet some of that noise for you. Did you feel like that? Or did it just feel like that for me, the outside looking in? No, 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 it it did. Um, And I, and I, um, I accept that that experience um, kind of forced me into my social transition a little earlier than I was ever ready for. Yeah. I felt challenged like that. I had to start appearing more so in ways that I was totally uncomfortable and unaware of how to navigate. From that experience itself, um, I think that I developed some anxiety that um, showed itself up in other ways, maybe a year or so later. And 
I'll say it probably took me about two or three years to actually recover from that. But um, I also think that that's just how my life now. That, that's how my life works. I had learned how to withstand disingenuous individuals or even just, you know, people who may have had malicious intent towards um, whatever my experiences were. And yeah, I had to grow and unlearn a lot of stuff over the last few years. But um, gratefully, I'm here and I am grateful for that experience. Um, and prayerfully, you know, the next person that comes along does not get treated with that same um, lack of empathy um, as they navigate that journey. Because I definitely know that I was a pioneer and that there will be others after me. You were a pioneer and you I would like to give you credit for that for not only making the the company aware and make them accountable for the way that they handle um I, I wouldn't even just say the transgender community, but the LGBTQ community as a whole, I think you also made a very misogynistic, I would say transphobic, even homophobic sometime industry aware and how far we've come, I think is in no small part to how bravely you handled this and how bravely you handled it at the face of adversity. Thank you for that. I think that we have a lot more to go. But um, I definitely recognize that in certain spaces I have been and I um, will be um, the first time that somebody engages with a trans person. Um, and I recognize that's no small, um, that's no small task or responsibility, but um, it's something that I'm grateful for. Um, and hopefully I can encourage people to be more inclusive and to open their mind past um, what they've been traditionally taught. Um, to accept. So, um, Morgan, at this point in the show, usually we um, have different scenarios, different uh, questions are written in by listeners, and we basically talk through those scenarios or answer questions that our listeners um, pose to us as uh, podcasters. So, we would love for you to help us talk through these scenarios. Okay. It says, Hi, ladies. I just want you to know that I love the podcast, especially the men and marriage episode where you broke down a lot of terms for me. Also, Nicole, thank you for bringing up transgender stats in the breaking silence episode. While they seem small, you all truly make me feel like a part of a world that otherwise seems so foreign to me. So I'm writing because I need help knowing how to come out as transgender to my mom. I'm extremely nervous because I'm not sure how accepting she will be. She's decently open-minded, but I know she has a lot of misconceptions about transgender people. So I have no idea how she will respond when I tell her. I live with my mom and she misgenders me daily, so I would feel more comfortable if I didn't hide something so fundamental to who I am from my mother. I feel that she could be capable of coming around and understanding me as a woman. I'm just afraid of how bumpy the road may be for me to get there. What steps can I take to inform her more about transgender people before I come out to her and how... Can I come out to her? And how would you come out to her? I'm sure it's probably hard for you to imagine, but think maybe telling your mom that you're pregnant at 14. I know this is probably a stretch for you all to think about, but thank you so much in advance for your answer. 
So the first question I have, is she 14? Like, I think that there's a difference between when you're 14, how you break it to your parents, and when you're 24 or 34, how you break it to your parents. So I would want to know how old she is and if she actually lives with her parents. It says she lives with her mom. Mm -hmm. Okay, but we don't know how old she is. It doesn't say how old she is, no. That's a little interesting. And it really depends on... Uh, her family and her upbringing, but I'm always an advocate of people living and standing in their truth, regardless of, um, you know, what that truth is, you know, whether that's um, about your identity or sexuality or whether that's about, um, you know, you told a lie about some money you stole. I feel like you should just, you know, um, tell the truth. I think it'll be hard regardless, uh, but I do think that people that I know that, are trans women that have come out to their families. They have people that are not accepting and you're going to have people that aren't accepting. It's like if I go date a white man, they're going to be people that don't like that. So they're going to be people that don't like the fact that you are a woman. That means you're going to have to accept that some people aren't going to like it. But at the same time, you will probably be surprised of the people that would support it as well. So, um, you know, the mom is probably the most important person to her because she lives with the mom. She might be fearing that she would get kicked out of her mom's house or, you know, there may be some other, you know, maybe she can't support herself, um, especially if she's in high school. You know, what what do you what do you do there if you don't have a, a livelihood to support yourself? I don't know. That's a hard situation. Um, I feel like um, almost like when you get a perm, they tell you to test that piece of hair. You know, test that section right. just to see how it will react. You know, make sure you're not keeping the permit too long. I would probably try that approach, especially if I was in a situation where I didn't have my own livelihood and I couldn't just like go over and get my own place. If I were, you know, 17 and living with my mom or maybe even, you know, 21, 22 in, my, in the house, I'm in college or something, I would probably just sort of test the waters first. To see, is this going to be an ally or is this is this going to be more of a difficult hurdle? Because for me, I would find an ally first. If that could be your mom, that would be great. Uh, if it has to be somebody else, after you test that strip of hair, then, you know, that may have to be somebody else. That's my opinion. Obviously, Morgan, I am not an expert on this. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear uh, your comments about how she should proceed. Okay. Um I definitely think that it is important for anybody um, whom is early in their transgender journey to find um, people of similar experiences that they can confide in and that they can communicate with. Because I think before one takes the step of confronting a, um, of having, you know, that, that type of confrontation with a parent or um, a employer or a, um, you know, educational system or any um, social place that is dynamic for them, I think it is important that they have some type of foundation, some person who understands them foundationally, because that will be necessary as they begin expressing themselves to those um, immediately connected to them. Um, I I will say that you know, all of that fear and stuff is normal. I, I know a lot of people who deal with that. 
Um, I know a lot of people who have dealt with that. Um, and when you try to prepare, when you try to prepare for things, I think that you mentioned livelihood and stuff. Well, a lot of times, the minute that you step out as trans, your livelihood is affected because now your jeans is no longer a cultural fit, or um, it just becomes a unworkable um, work environment for you. So, um, a lot of times, people do have to shift what it is that they do or how it is that they do what they do, um, especially when they are going from, I'd say, a masculine lens to a feminine lens in people's minds, um, you're hit with the glass ceiling that I know black women deal with all the time, but now you're hit with a double-plated glass ceiling. <laughs> Where it's wow. like, you know, you get, you get boxed in and, and this is all that you will ever be allowed to do in these people's minds. Um, with a parent, yeah, it can be, it can be unexpected and it could be, it could be frustrating. I had a very close relationship with my mom prior to my transition. She was my best friend. Um, that changed a lot because, you know, and, and I think it was cool how you mentioned, you know, a person being 14, 24, or 34. You know, I think the longer it goes, the more difficult it can be for some parents to accept certain things, especially if they come from very religious backgrounds or even just social settings where their lives change as well the minute that you mention that you're trans, you know, mm. because now people will judge them um, for whom you are. While that is important to note, it's something that you can't take the responsibility for, or you're going to always question yourself, you're always going to push things off, and you're never going to truly live as your full self. So my biggest tip would be find, a, find someone you can confide in who is going through a similar experience or who has gone through a similar experience. And then um, as well as you can prepare for that aftershock because with your mama is going to be, yeah, sometimes mamas don't say things in the best way when it comes to getting information like that. And that can hurt. Um, and it can hurt in ways that you can never prepare for. So, that confidant is essential because that's somebody that you're going to be crying to a lot of nights or even just trying to find understanding with a lot of nights. Thank you, Morgan, because I would have, I mean, half of that that you just said, I didn't even think about that it, you know, changes everything. The moment that you decide to become openly um, transgender, um, I agree with both of you all. Um I think that it's very, very important to stand in your truth because I'm not sure that I can conceptualize a way that people can live their most genuine life without standing in their truth. So I think that it's important that you that you do tell your mother. Right. Um, but what that looks like and what that timeline looks like, I'm not quite sure. So um, kind of to what. Morgan was saying, I think that it's important that you identify either friends, family members, someone, an ally that you can um, confide in and maybe even stay with if your you know your housing situation becomes at, you know at jeopardy. Um, I say create as much of a safety net for yourself 
as possible. Um, and of course, it, that's not always the case. But if you can create a safety net for yourself so that should things not go in a favorable way with your mother, when you do um, share your truth with her, that you are not now also dealing with on top of the emotional stress from the situation, you're not also dealing with, you know, homelessness. I think that it's important that we have shelter. Now, I'm not saying to, you know, not live in your truth because you're in fear of not having shelter, but I'm saying that if you can create that safety net for yourself. And also, I think that it's important to acknowledge that you cannot control how your mother receives the information, right? I think that a lot of times, not even in something as as significant as a transition, but a lot of times we anticipate how someone is going to receive something. And if they don't receive it in that manner, then it kind of puts us in a, a negative space. And I don't think that, um, and of course, it's easier said than done. And it's something that I also work on. But it's I don't think that we should anticipate what people are going to say or how they're going to respond or even um, want them to respond in a certain manner. Um, I think that you give your mother the information and receive the response how it comes. Don't anticipate what it is. Um, If you do anticipate expect for the worst, right? And hope for the best, but know that you have some sort of like system in place so that, you know, they can support you through this emotional time. And I just think that I hate stressing preparedness, but I think that it's very important, especially when you could be going into um, some sort of emotional turmoil that your basic needs are met. So food and shelter, um, just make sure that you have that. And then make sure that you surround yourself with very positive people. Maybe you don't include them in the in the transition necessarily, but positivity helps. So find some positive people that give you joy and and fun and love and build your community, I would say. Build your community. And and I'd like to jump in with, it's important to um, locate those local organizations near you they do have um, social workers and um, counselors and stuff that can help you navigate this. Like mental health is tremendously important when you're going through a situation where a lot of people may have accepted you or embraced you and now they're treating you totally opposite. Um, that can be a um, mind scramble for a lot of people. So. It's definitely important to have those things in place. I'd also, because I don't know where this person is, I think that um, resources like um, the Transgender Law Center are important and imperative because they identify to you um, how the states are, in, I mean, how the laws are in your state when it comes to employers or even being able to um, receive extra resources to help with your, trans- with your transition. Like in some states now, um, they have mandated insurance providers to assist in the um, acquisition of hormones or whatever affirmation surgeries one may need. Um, So it is important to understand what is at your disposal, because as much as we as much as we should not operate under a very binary lens, I recognize that there is privilege in that. for example, I think I'm treated a lot different now than when I first started with my gender transition because I I appear more feminine to people. So they're more likely to engage with me uh, differently, you know. I'm more likely to get a job now. I'm more likely to, you know, do these very minimal things simply because 
I fit what people think a woman looks like. And while we continue to fight to have people across the binary accept it more, it is important to recognize that there are resources that can help you get to a place of sustainability. Also, and something that was totally unaware to me at first, I think that the longer you wait, the more difficult it is to unlearn those isms that um, you've picked up on over your entire life. I had unlearned so much toxic masculinity and misogynoir that um, it was it was a lot for me, unlearning a lot of that stuff that I just picked up on just in operating, especially operating in very like hip hop spaces, like being a, having to change my entire mindset and outlook on things. That was the toughest transition for me changing internally. So the longer you wait, the more, um, the more stringent you have to be mm-hmm. with that type of stuff. Absolutely. I'm so glad that you mentioned a couple of things. One, I felt like it's just a, we can almost go back and listen to some of the domestic violence um, episode and that the importance of making sure you create a safety plan is so key and, and making sure that you have resources, you are seeking counseling, um, you do know what agencies are available in your area, what nonprofits can help you with resources. Those are so, so important um, to mention. So I'm glad that both of you guys did. Um, and the other piece is um, making sure that when you're living in your truth, you know that you're going to have some negativity and just accept it. Um, just accept it how it comes um, and move forward. So uh, this story comes from a friend of the podcast and she says, hi, Nicole and Janine. I'm a friend of the podcast and I'm glad uh, you welcome all women to join in the conversation. I have been struggling with a major dilemma. I'm from a strict Baptist upbringing in high school and even in college. My father, a Baptist deacon, and my mother always tried to pair me up with daughters of their friends in church for events like prom and homecoming. I always felt uncomfortable, but didn't want to, quote, stick out, end quote, as abnormal. Now I'm 26 years old and I am dating a girl I met at work and recently I got engaged. We've messed around a bit, but honestly, I'm not sexually attracted to her. I'm more attracted to men, but not as a gay man. When I wear women's clothes and heels and hang out as a woman, I feel at home, but no one knows I do this. I really feel that I'm a woman, but I'm not sure how to reveal this to my fiance. I know I shouldn't marry her, but I'm not sure what to do. I love her as a friend, but not as a lover. I feel trapped in my body, but I'm not sure if I really want to live my life as a woman because I know it will upset my family, my fiance, and possibly my career. I don't feel like a man. How should I proceed? Thanks in advance. Can I go? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, I think that uh, the first thing that should happen is gender identity counseling. I think that that's super important because um, you might not know exactly where you fit on that spectrum. You know, um, my best friend, while she is a trans woman like me, she identifies as a um, as a non-binary trans femme. And I think that people don't recognize that it is possible to um, be non-binary and be trans or to be this and to be that. 
because we get we, we specifically think okay if i transition i have to be um the most extreme example of a woman or if i transition you know i have to be the most extreme example of a man and it's like that's not exactly everybody's um that's not everybody's journey and it's not everybody's case um i had similar experiences to that kind of where um yeah i dated I dated women for a long time and I did not share um, this part of my life because it was uncomfortable, you know, um, to explain and to even like confront and recognize. I think that is something that um, while it is fearful, um, they owe it to their partner, especially their fiance, to be honest, um, because this is someone that you're potentially building with. Also, there seems to be a strong emotional attachment there. And it's going to suck for them when they do hear this information from you. So you ain't going to get off easy, but you definitely do need to tell them. Um, like, the scariest thing for me was seeing Caitlyn Jenner's story about coming out. Because I felt like I was on that, um, I felt like I was on, I was on, like, I was literally following that same example of a life where, I would get married and I would have children. And then when I'm 50, 60, I finally tell everybody, hey, I'm me. And then it's unfair to these people because I'm putting them through a, a journey now where they have to confront their friends, their colleagues, um, their partners about this thing that I'm dealing with. I thought that was very selfish. Now, I will not say that I definitely do respect and appreciate Caitlin and her experiences as it has helped people, but I couldn't do that because I did not want to do that for myself. I think that this person has the opportunity here to make some changes that can be better for themselves long-term. And even this part, like this is, when people go through a gender transition, sometimes your sexual orientation does change. Like I, um, and, and, it, and it, that may seem jarring to some people, but yeah, I, I identify as a lesbian now. And at the top of my transition, I was like, like hell bent on the fact that, you know, I'm dating men now. And so um, over time, you know, people change because our sexuality is fluid. Our gender is fluid. Um, different things change parts of you. And I think it's just really understanding and being comfortable being uncomfortable with starting to transition. Like you basically transition in every day. You're never really done. Um, and... Yeah, it's just something that I would say to push forward through. Um, but don't push forward thinking that you're going to get a resolution. Um, mm. This is going to be something that evolves and changes its every day. And best of luck to this individual as well. Something that you said, Morgan, that stuck out to me was you're never really done. So this transition is the beginning of a process. It's kind of like life. It's, you know, it kind of made me think of that. Like we're constantly on this journey of who we are and we are never really done being who we are. So and it's very fluid. It's constantly changing. So to our our listener and friend of the pod, I think that, I, you know, I'm going to tell you the same thing that I told in the the previous letter, live in your truth, living in your truth. It's just, there's just something freeing about truth, right? Like, you know, the, the old adage that the truth will set you free is it's, it's an old adage for a reason, right? But I think that, you know, as Morgan said, you have to be 
I think it's a little selfish to not share that with your fiance, especially if you're trying to build a life with this person. Um, and if you're not trying to build a life with this person, then you need to express that as well. Like it, you really need to, um, before you make any further steps, um, you know, go to the, you know, as Morgan mentioned, go to gender identity counseling and, you know, figure out you first, right? Like figure out, get a concept of exactly where you feel like you are and what your actual truth is before you start this process. Because what you don't want to do is jump into this and realize that this isn't really what you wanted, right? So um, I think that, it, you know, share that with your fiance. And I think that, you know, if your fiance loves you, she will understand. But she also has the right. She also has the right too. I think this is important too. When we say people should understand, I think it is important to recognize that if somebody does not want to continue in that type of a relationship with someone, they do have that right as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, it's, and it sounds like he doesn't want to. Or she doesn't. Or she well, doesn't, because I don't think that. that she knows, yeah, exactly yeah. how she wants to identify at this point. Correct. But um, I feel like she knows that she doesn't, she's not sexually attracted to her fiance. But is that the question that I have, though, is, is her sexual attraction really tied to her gender identity? Because, I mean. Because I think that that can change as well. Like, right. the minute that you really truly embrace yourself, your sexual identity might change or shift or increase that can change but we also have to know one i think that the fiance has to know almost immediately and you can take the fiance to counseling with you but um just as morgan says she has the right to choose if she wants to stay in this predicament both of them do Mm -hmm. so i think that just as our friend of the podcast their identity might change but this fiance, if this fiance is identifies as a straight woman, they may not have signed up for this. So I think that they need to sit down, get some counseling to at least mend a friendship so that they can be, perhaps this fiance can be a support for the friend of the podcast while she's going through this transition, if she decides to transition. You may not decide to transition. So, um, but I think that. And even if she decides to be a supportive person, like she don't have, she's not required to support this person. Correct. Correct. You're right. You're not required to do that. That may not be, uh, that may not be her ally. Absolutely. But I do think that, I I think the Caitlyn Jenner story of building a family, um, identifying um, as a woman earlier during that marriage and just not saying anything for a really, really long time, you're right. It does cause a lot of people to have to deal with issues that would ordinarily not have to deal with them. So I think that it's really, really important to living your truth early, tell all the people that are involved, the people that need to know. I mean, your fiance, sort of kind of pertinent that um, she knows pretty early. Um, your family, yeah, your family needs to know, you know, I would argue, you know me, I'm like, this is my business. You don't have to do nothing, but your immediate family. Yeah. Would need to know because you don't want people to continue to misidentify you and you don't want people to 
treat you differently when you come around and you want to know if you have the support of your family or not. So yeah, your immediate family needs to know. Um, but I think that definitely some counseling needs to be had probably after this is revealed with the family so that they can all mend um, everything. Cause you know, the family is going to be thinking, trying to think back to moments during the upbringing of when should I have seen this before yeah. or why didn't I see this or did I see this and I just ignored it. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's something that needs to be talked through, but for the podcast, I think you've got to get counseling ASAP to figure out what route you want to go, how you actually identify. And that may take some time and you may identify one way and, and then choose to identify another way in the future. And that's okay. But the fiance has to know because that person needs to know, Hey, is this something I want to stick through and support you from inside this relationship? And the friend of the podcast has to know, is this somebody I really want to spend the rest of my life with Or is this just something that I've been in tune with because it's a social norm? And and I'll say this. I think that while we can, again, I definitely advocate for counseling. A lot of that stuff has to come internally as well. Like for me, prior to, I felt like I was watching life as a passenger. But now and ever since I've really like stepped into myself and lived as myself, every day matters. I think that's when you know that um, what you're doing is real because now every day matters to you. So this part of our show, we usually share what we've learned new this week. And so for me, looking at the election and looking at the campaign, um, I thought it was astonishing that um, I learned something new was 55% of trans adults of color said that they were unable to vote in at least one election or this election because they had a fear of or they experienced discrimination at the polls and mainly because of identity discrimination with the voter ID um, laws, which I think is a dang on shame. Wow. I never, and all of the episodes that we've talked about voting, it never dawned on me that that would be, I mean, an issue. I would it would never I would never think about that. That's crazy. You know, we need to do more to advocate for our um, our trans sisters and honestly, the whole trans community, because there's no reason that people that are registered to vote, you've turned in all the paperwork you have to turn in and then you're going to give me issues at the polls. Really? It's bad enough that the, the Trump people were running people off the road. To, to try to get people not even to the poll, literally, physically, to block them from going to the polls. But when people get there, um, they're discriminated against at the polls. And, and nobody's really doing anything about it. And that's a shame, especially yeah. the fact that it's 2020 and that's what we're dealing with. Like, everyone should have equal rights, no matter who they are. How come we can't get this through our head? Everyone should have equal rights, point blank period um okay nicole so my learned something new is you know we when we talked about this we talked about how we wanted to be allies for the transgender community and not specifically the transgender community but the lgbtq community so 
Um, here are 10 things that you can do to be an ally of uh, the transgender community. And I got this from Straight for Equality. So that's a website. Um, um, so number one is learning more about unique trans experiences by reading, watching, and listening to people's stories. Do not assume every trans experience is the same. Two, accept that people have the right to define who they are. It's not your choice to define who they are. Three, ask respectful and appropriate questions, but recognize that no one has to give you an answer. You don't deserve an answer. Four, familiarize yourself with resources and tools that you can use to educate yourself and others. Five, Remember, if you're feeling uncomfortable, that is for you to reflect on and not for the trans person to fix. Six, vocalize inclusion by adding your personal pronouns to intros, both in person and via email and or on social media. Seven, be mindful of terms, phrases and colloquialisms that reinforce gender as a binary construct. Eight, commemorate and celebrate annual events and or significant dates nine raise your voice for others and speak out against violence and discrimination of transgender people and 10 stand up against anti-trans legislation at your local level state level and federal level i like those those came from straight for equality and i will post them on our social media you had mentioned the 55 percent like I voted absentee partially because of that. Oh, wow. And I think that, you know, that that may have contributed to a lot of other people voting absentee. Um, basically, every trans friend I know, they voted absentee. So, wow. Um, that can, yeah, little things like that, like people don't realize that going to the polls can be an anxiety inducing event. Um, I used to go to the grocery store at two in the morning because I didn't want people to see me. Um, I didn't want to cause confusion for anyone, um, you know, and I think that like when people say that they're looking for more inclusive lives or that they um, just want their humanity back, that's what part of it is. Being able to step outside of your home and just exist and focus on whatever it is you're trying to do. Right. I'm trying to go to the mall today. Um, can I go to the mall and not feel like I'm going to be Googled and ogled at. Um, so, yeah, gross, I mean, that voting stuff was, um, was really unique. Um, and it's sad that we're still there. Um, it is. Hopefully things change um, in the future. Um, thank you for sharing those 10 tips for allies. Um, I definitely want to just add that Google can be your best friend. Um, don't ask me if you don't know, because I don't know everything. I ain't no trans educator. I'm just a person trying to exist. Same way you don't walk up to a black woman and ask them about everything that black people deal with. Don't ask mm -hmm. me everything that you hear about or that you think trans people deal with. Wow. Um, you know, Google can handle that. Or you should probably ask your cisgender allies because I think that people need to be more vocal about trans issues without putting the onus always on us. The same way that huh. um, white people should handle or confront the white people who are racist and not leave that up to black people to deal with those people 
Mm. Yeah, cisgender people should be doing that when it comes to trans or gender non-conforming or non-binary people. So preach the I word. Love it. Well, Morgan, thank you so much um, for being on the podcast. We thoroughly enjoyed you today, and Yay. thank you for breaking everything down and talking about the scenario, talking with us about um, the scenarios that our listeners uh, wrote in about. Um, and we just wish you nothing but success, the best. Um, we know that you are, you know, making moves and ways in your career, which is awesome. Um, and so we just are here to cheer you on. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Okay, so our motivational moment for the week um, so there's a quote by Zanel Muhali, and it says, if I wait for someone else to validate my existence, it will mean that I'm shortchanging myself. Ladies, enough people underpay us and undervalue us. So don't cut yourself even two cents short. Until we meet again. Pray, work, slay. And don't forget to show off your melanated excellence. Bye. Bye. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is produced by Nicole Lee Plenty and Janine Brunson-Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Get the Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversation podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or where you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate us. You can follow Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations on IG at Oh, That's Deep, BWC. Oh, That's Deep, Black Women Conversations is a mean old lion media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.